Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. Today, we are talking standardized tests, but not the SAT, not the IC. We are talking about the ACT, the test that has really come up in popularity over the years and something that when I was a kid, uh, when we took the ACT, it was something that it, it wasn't commonly taken and it still wasn't accepted at a lot of schools back then in 1997 when I was applying to schools. But now that is not the case. In fact, the opposite is the case. I think more kids are now opting to take the ACT than the SAT, which is pretty interesting. And we'll see how that trend continues or if it does continue. Of course, now the SAT has released a new revised and revamped version of the test. And so, and I, and I actually think they've done so because the ACT has taken so many students, and they're trying to make it more like the ACT. So I figured it's only worthwhile to do an episode on the ACT, in particular the ACT math section. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the ACT, there are four sections. There's a math section, there's also a science section, there's a reading section, and there is a writing section. And all of these sections are scored on a scale of one to nine. Now, if you are able to get full credit, so actually it's scored on a scale of one to 36, excuse me, but if you're able to get a score on in each of these categories at the highest mark, you'll get a 36 across the board and a 36 on the entire test. So that's what the ACT is all about. And what we're gonna talk about today is in particular, we're gonna talk about we're going to talk about, and by the way, uh, when I said the reading section, it's actually called the English section. So just as a point of clarification, and by the way, the science section, it's not its not so much science knowledge, things that you have to memorize or know, but it's more really reading and applying, applying information to questions, basically being able to analyze graphs, scientific studies, etc. But what I'm here to talk about today is the math section in great detail, and the reason why I feel so qualified to do so is because I spent a lot of time analyzing many, 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 many ACT, official ACT practice exams, and essentially gathering and collecting data on these exams. And what I've come up with is some amazing numbers that give you a really good outline, a really good guide regarding what you will expect, what you should expect to see on the ACT as far as question type distribution. So why is this so important? This is important because for most kids who are going to take the ACT, you've usually, most for the most part, you've reviewed the math, or you've learned the math that needs to be applied, but you may not remember it all. So some of the math may have been forgotten along the way and you have to, you have to bring it back to the forefront of your mind. It is for that reason that for my Power 9 ACT math course and these, these other 
it's like for these for all these things that I've been building. Sorry, for 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 these for the ACT math course, what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to arrange the information in a way that that makes sense. And the way that makes sense, in my opinion, is basically ordering it up based upon frequency. So why is frequency the name of the game? Why does frequency matter so much? Well, again, if you know all the math concepts, what you should really care about is not learning things in the order that they were normally presented, like algebra, pre-algebra, pre-algebra, algebra, geometry, algebra two, so on and so forth. Instead, it makes more sense, especially if you have a limited amount of time to understand the material, it makes more sense to learn to learn the material based on what you're most likely to see. You start from a top-down approach. And that's why I conducted the analysis that I did, and that is why I created the course that is now available on Udemy. So what I'm going to do today is, of course, you can, you can buy my course and you can review all the topics and practice questions and so on and so forth. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you some of the data that I've gathered so that you can use this to optimize your preparation if you're a student or you can pass this along if you're a parent to your child so that they can gain some insight and hopefully use this to guide their to guide their studying. So here we go. We are going to start and I've got 30 categories that I've identified. These are sort of my own creation, the categories. And they're not, it's not, it's again, not broad categories, but very specific categories. And along with each of these categories, I'm going to present to you the percentages, basically meaning of the, however many six, I don't even know, 600, 700 questions that I, that I analyze, it's going to give you the percentage distribution of the total questions that I looked at. So this isn't going to be the percentage of time that these, the, the questions were of these types. The first category with the highest across the board, 8.9%, almost 9%, really, really high. The category I called graphs, lines, and coordinates. So what is this, what is this category all about? This category is about questions where you are going to graph functions, where you're going to, in in particular, linear functions, but not always linear functions. You're going to need to know the slope formula. You're going to need to know point slope. You're going to need to know slope intercept. You want to be able to calculate the distance between two coordinates. It's these types of principles that are going to be tested this 8.9% of the time. By the way, if you do get the course, if you do purchase the course, each one of these categories, there's an introduction video that will kind of give you all the theory and everything that, that you need to know in order to answer these questions correctly. So it's cool. It's It's kind of an interesting revelation, I think, because... This is some of the stuff that you'll learn early on in pre-algebra and algebra one. So it's not super advanced, but it's tested quite heavily. And the problems can be tricky on some of these. So you, you definitely want to make sure you know your stuff. But this is what dominates the ACT number one category. Okay, category number two that is huge is triangles. Now, triangles used to be also the biggest category on the SAT, They've now changed the SAT. They now have a new version. And I've run the numbers on the new practice test, and I've I've seen the real thing. And it's triangles have dropped off big time, but not in the ACT. They're still big, very prevalent, 8.5%. So what do I mean when I'm talking about triangle problems? I'm talking about Pythagorean's theorem. I'm talking about understanding what makes two triangles similar being familiar with special right triangles like 30, 60, 90 triangles, 45, 45, 90. 
being able to know, just understanding that there are 180 degrees in a triangle. Triangles are, and also being able to spot triangles that aren't directly drawn out, being able to recognize that triangles exist in different types of geometry problems, and that once you can identify the triangle, you can definitely arrive at an answer. So triangles, very, very important. If you can grab an old geometry textbook and do a review, that would be super helpful. Next concept, percentages, fractions, ratios, and proportions. So percentages, fractions, ratios, and proportions. This is this comprises 7.19% of the of the problems that are on the ACT. And this is pretty interesting as well because this is not something that's a, a very advanced concept if you want to think about it in terms of the math progression. But it is tested heavily, and you should have a good understanding of how to create fractions, how to convert fractions to percentages, and vice versa, and how to work with ratios and proportions, which is it's really all about relative values. And I know in I'm, I'm teaching this type of stuff to fourth graders right now. So this is stuff that's from way back in the day that you should be very, very comfortable and familiar with because it's important, and it will come up a lot. The next category, number four, is circles. Okay, circles. Now we're around 6%, 5.82% to be exact. Know what you need to know about circles. That is, what is a radius? What is a diameter? What is a chord? How do you calculate circumference? How do you calculate area? How do you calculate a sector area? How do you calculate arc length? Things like this. So, you, so these are basic things that you should be very, very comfortable and familiar with with respect to circles if you want to answer these types of questions correctly. The next category on the list, quadrilaterals and cubes. So these are four-sided figures as well as cubes, which are three-dimensional squares. When we're talking about cubes, we're just talking about being able to calculate the volume of a cube, side times side times side, how to calculate surface area, things like that. And we're talking about other quadrilaterals. Here are the basic ones that you should be familiar with. Of course, you should know what a square is, which I'm sure everybody, most most listeners out there do. A rectangle, a rhombus, a trapezoid, a parallelogram, and I think I think I hit the major ones. A kite is another type of per, of of quadrilateral. Usually, I don't see those too often, but I'd say the rest. It's a pretty important to know those properties, how to calculate area of those quadrilaterals how to calculate perimeter, so on and so forth. Next category, trigonometry, 5.42%. Big category as well. And this is something that actually until lately didn't really appear on the SAT. Now trig is there on the SAT as well. But trigonometry, so basically un basic understanding of sine, cosine, and tangent, how to apply those, what do those mean as far as ratio of different sides in a right triangle. So these are all very important things to understand. Um, something you've probably heard, SOHCAHTOA, that's going to help you. It's going to go a long way with understanding how to use sine, cosine, tangent. And also, it's a good idea to know the difference between radians and degrees and how to convert between those two units. All right, so the next category, plugging in values. That is number seven, and this is 5%. This is just basically taking an equation and plugging in a value that they give you and getting the right output. So really, at the end of the day, 
This is big on arithmetic. This is big on just basically taking something, running it through a set of operations, and seeing what you get and making sure that answer is accurate. Number eight, multivariable equations and expressions. And this kind of goes hand in hand with single variable equations and expressions. Those are categories eight and nine. Each one has four point, somewhere around four and a half percent. So again, combined pretty big. This is going to have to, both of these questions are going to have to do with variable isolation, essentially how to solve for different variables or even isolate and solve for variables with respect to other variables. So maybe if you have three variables in an equation, how are you going to isolate correctly one of those variables? And you, it's, it's really, this is all about inverse operations. So it's all about how to move things from one side of the equation to the other by carrying out inverse operations. And those, of course, it's like, Adding and subtraction, those are inverse operations. Division, multiplication, they are opposites, hence inverse operations. The next category, number 10, is arithmetic. Know your arithmetic. Know how to subtract, add, multiply, divide, so on and so forth. These are really key skills, and I recommend for anybody out there who's about to take one of these tests, work on your mental math. It's important. It's a fail-safe mechanism, even if you have a calculator. Number 11, data analysis. Much bigger category on the SAT. Data analysis is basically being able to analyze graphs and charts and understand what's going on and knowing how to apply whatever knowledge you can pull from, from these different communication tools. I assume it's so low on the ACT, or this low, not so low, it's still 3.37%. But I assume it's a bit lower here because you do have the science section, and that really deals primarily in data analysis. The next category, number 12, is exponents and exponential functions. You should know all your exponent rules, how, to, how exponents react when they're outside of parentheses, how they react when you're multiplying two numbers together, two variables together with different exponents, when you're dividing, so on and so forth. What is an exponential function when you have a constant raised to a variable? How do these react? What do the graphs look like? This is all really valuable information. Again, 3.25%, nothing to scoff at. Number 13, mode, mean, and median. So some might argue that this could have fit into the data analysis category and there is a great deal of overlap between these two. But I separated it out because, excuse me, I separated it out because I think these are important terms to understand and learn. And it's, it's not even so much about gr looking at a graph and understanding what's going on. It's just being, basically being able to sort out whatever values you have and apply the definitions to those values. So learn what mode is, which is the thing that occurs the most. Learn what mean is, which is the average. And learn what median, which is the middle value when you place the values in ascending order. Number 14, quadratic equations. Now we're talking 2.8%, drop below the 3% mark. And these are, these are expressions or equations where x to the second power is the highest exponent degree in that two-variable equation, usually something like x squared plus 2x plus 4. You should know how to factor them. You should know ideally how to, I mean, I would say know the quadratic formula. It may not be necessary, but I'd say know it. Just be familiar with it in case you need it. 
and know what a quadratic function looks like when it's graphed. And it's basically just a parabola. Next, we've got number 15 is angles. And when we're talking about angles, we're talking about, you know, what do the angles add up to on a straight line? It's 180 degrees. How do we how do we calculate angles if we have two parallel lines and a transversal, which is just a line going through these other two lines, and there's relationships between the different angles that are formed from that transversal. I know it's hard to visualize this, but definitely get to know all of these different pieces of the angles category. All right, the next one. This can get pretty hairy, pretty complex. Granted, it's only 2.57%, so I wouldn't go nuts on it, but it's a big category name. I call it probabilities, combinations, grouping, ordering, and counting. Sorry, I was getting a little late here, so I'm starting to yawn. And probabilities, combinations, grouping, ordering, counting. Okay, so you should know and have a basic understanding of what it means to be for, for to take the probability of a certain event. How does that differ from a combination? How does that differ from permutation? To be extra, extra thorough, I recommend understanding all of these different elements. Now, it is a little bit lower down. We're talking 2.57%. If, if you do find probabilities, combinations, permutations to be especially challenging, that's that can be a decision that you can make to maybe omit going hard into the subject area and understanding all the nuances. I will leave that to you. But 2.57% is where this one falls. Number 17, inequalities. So now we're talking about inequalities, not equalities, not equations. So no more equal sign. We're talking about greater than, less than, greater than or equal to, less than or equal to. And so these are very similar to equations. You just recognize and remember that you now have a range of values that will satisfy uh, something as opposed to just one value. The next category is spatial problems. So spatial problems, what are these? These really involve the visual part of your brain, being able to look at a two-dimensional drawing and having a 3D understanding of what that image will represent in the 3D world and being able to rotate it, manipulate it, transform it, etc. Number 19, now we're talking number properties. Know the difference between integers, real numbers, prime numbers, whole numbers, natural numbers, all, you know, all these, there's, there's just, these are just pure definitions. And if you get familiar with the definitions, you understand all the differences, it's going to go a decent amount of way. It's, it's a solid 2.28%. And it's not terribly complex to understand. So I would make sure to get this all mapped out before the test. Category number 20, we call the systems of equations and nested functions. So I sort of combine systems of equations and nested functions, or some people call it composite functions. Because this, this just has to do with dealing with multiple functions excuse me, multiple functions in a single question. And I find them to be quite fun. A lot of times with systems of equations, we're talking about linear equations and intersections of these lines. Make sure you do a little bit of a refresher for this area. 21, deriving a formula. So there will be about 2.17% of questions that will ask you to derive a formula based on some information and then apply that formula. This is something that you should just get good practice with. And again, 
This has become really prevalent on the SAT. So if you are going to take that test, I definitely recommend getting familiar with the decoding formulas and also learning how to create them. Number 22, sequences and sums. Sequences are basically arrangements of numbers that follow a pattern as they move forward. And sums are kind of, it's kind of like a continuation of sequences, except now you're adding up a huge collection of numbers. And you can maybe make predictions about what the sum of a certain number, a certain collection of numbers will be, so on and so forth. Category number 23, we've got lines slash number lines. But really, this one is just all about using number lines and plotting values. So what you're going to be using these, what, what you're going to be doing in these types of questions Plotting values, basically showing ranges of values that will solve a particular inequality, etc. Number twenty-four is word problems. This is in, it's an interesting category because basically a lot of these problems could be classified as word problems. But word problems are ones that are extra heavy on the text, ones that I mean that you would just identify as word problems. They can cover a range of topics. So make sure that you get really comfortable and really familiar with reading problems that have decently long prompts and being able to understand and decode what's going on. Number 25, logarithms. Yes, they do appear, not to a great extent, but they do appear on the ACT. You don't have to know them super, super well, super thoroughly, but I would suggest understanding exactly what is a logarithm and how does it relate to exponents. I think if you get that basic part down, you should be in good shape. Number 26, two or more people or objects with related values. These are questions where they'll say John is is four, year older, four years older than Henry. In three years, Henry will be twice as old as John is in that same time frame. How old are they each today? Something like that. So they're going to give you two people with related values, and you're going to have to set up an equation or a system of equations and then solve for these values. Number 27, Absolute value problems. So first, you want to know what is absolute value and then how to appropriately solve for these problems. And just remember, for absolute value, you should be getting two answers. For example, you know what the absolute value of x, for example, let's say it equals 3. You've got two solutions for that. You've got 3 and you've got negative 3 because the absolute value of any negative number is a positive number. So it, get familiar with basically how to solve absolute value problems it's, it's again, you don't have to go into super great detail, but just that alone will help you on this 1.03% of problems. 28, factors and multiples. When we talk about factors and multiples, we are talking about basically being able to identify factors, being able to identify the least common multiple, and there are ways that you can do that using prime factorization trees. So make sure you brush up on those skills as well. Not a huge part, but... It's definitely there. Number 29, matrices. Not a huge category, not a huge deal, 0.74%. Just know basics of matrices. Just know how to add them, know how to subtract them. Multiplication is a bit more complex. If you have the time, I'd say learn it or relearn it if you've already learned it before. But I wouldn't go super, super crazy. 30, now we're talking about roots. Okay, roots 0.63%, basically taking square roots, cube roots, uh, quartic roots, so on and so forth. Just remember how to do it so you have a general understanding, general idea. And finally, number 31, 
logic-based games, very small, 0.57%. These are things where we're talking about applying basic rules of logic. It's kind of like the logic games in the LSAT for law school. And all you're doing here is basically you're going to, it's like sometimes you could be given a sentence. Okay, here's an example. You could be given something like all people, let's see, um, all people are mammals. All mammals are, uh, no, hold on, let me think for a second. All people are mammals. All, some mammals drink milk. Therefore, does it stand, the reason that all people drink milk? Something like that. Uh, and in that case, okay, this is a terrible example. I'm thinking off uh, on the fly, but in that case, it would say, so does it mean that all people drink milk? Some people drink milk. Maybe no people drink milk. How do you break this down? And it's just basically analyzing exactly what each of these sentences are saying and how that translates to a real world interpretation. Don't worry yourself about it. I measured 0.57%. Very rarely did I ever see those, but that is the final category that rounds out the 31 categories that I identified and classified. So there you have it. There's everything that I know about the ACT math section, a full breakdown. So if you are going to take it, I'd say re-listen to this episode, take some notes, and figure out how you want to allocate your studying time, and go at it. Go for it. And I wish you the best of luck. So if you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, go to www.scalarlearning.com. And as always, if you have questions or comments, email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. Would love to hear from you. Please join us every show for new episodes. Sorry, join us every day, excuse me, for new episodes. We got new ones dropping on the daily. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already for the latest and greatest in episodes relating to education and math. Hope to see you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that skin, learning.